boy, now it is time for the one, the only, Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Yes. We're super excited. We got the one and only Eden Mayer Show coming on the show to talk about Archive 81. And he is also a fellow indie filmmaker, and man, is he passionate oh about it. Oh my goodness, and his story about what inspired him to finally make the leap and get into it is so heartbreaking and yet so inspiring at the same time. You guys are probably going to shed a tear and think, man, I've got to go do, i got to go chase my dreams. Such an incredible interview. Exactly, man, exactly. That's later on the show. Now, here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Self Pause, a self-affirmation meditation app that helps you start your day, stay motivated, and love yourself. Because you guys know we have been talking about this subject a lot with our guests on the podcast about staying mentally prepared for the entertainment industry and how to do that when preparing yourself for life. So this app, Self Pause, is definitely a way to keep your mental health on track. Absolutely. And here's the really great thing about it. It's available in the app store so you can get it no matter what you got, what kind of phone you got or whatever. And there's they offer two different tiers. There's a free tier and a premium tier. Now, if you're worried about the premium tier, guess what? You can try it out free for two weeks, 14 days, and then it's only $3.99 after that a month. I mean, to keep your mental stability and to keep positive and keep re- that's worth it. Exactly. Totally worth it. Exactly. You guys need to check this app out. Do it. We do it. We love it. I think you will too. I really think so as well. Selfpause.com and like he said, uh, Google Play and the App Store on iOS, iPhone systems. Yes. But now it is time to get this crazy show started. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We're super excited. It is episode 187, and man, oh man, we got a lot happening in Hollywood that we're pumped to talk about, but you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Oh man, how is the Russian-Ukraine situation affecting the entertainment industry? We're going to be talking about it. Oh, and yeah. of course, there's a lot of stuff happening at Disney, superhero shows, the Batman's coming out this week, and I mean, just so much different stuff that's going down in Hollywood, and you know we are talking about it. Of course. Of course. The go-to source. Exactly, man. (laughs) Exactly. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts. We got hacked. We also have organic shirts, organic hats, organic sweatshirts, all the good stuff. If you are a good old tree hugger, as we are, we got stuff (laughs) for you and for us. And man, oh man, we're actually doing a merchandise promo sale right now yes. all the way until the 9th 15% off so be sure to head over to the website www.crazyantmedia.com start rocking them man we're super excited about it Heck yeah. Um, but yeah like I teased a little bit I mean we gotta talk about it because this Russia Ukraine stuff is affecting the entertainment industry it is. and how 
the studios are going to be releasing and all this different stuff. So let's dive into it. The Walt Disney Company announces that it will pause all theatrical releases in Russia, including uh, that of Turning Red, which was previously set to premiere in the country on March 10th. Yeah. Uh, a company spokesperson said in a statement, quote, given the unprovoked invasion of Ukraine and the tragic uh, humanitarian crisis, we are pausing the release of theatrical films in Russia, including the upcoming Turning Red from Pixar. Now, we will make uh, future business decisions based on the evolving situation. Now, in the meantime, given the scale of emerging refugee crisis, um, we are working with NGO partners to provide urgent aid to other humanitarian assistance to refugees. Uh, we will continue to monitor the situation, working closely with the members and partners throughout the goal, uh, global creative sector. So, uh, you know, Mouse House leading the way, obviously, and Disney was the first major distributor to pause theatrical releases um, in the region, but they're not the only one. Uh, Warner Brothers also halted its plans to release The Batman in Russia. The film was set to release the country yesterday. A spokesperson for Warner Media said in a statement, quote, in light of the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine, Warner Media is pausing the release of its feature film, The Batman. In Russia, we will continue to monitor the situation as it evolves. We hope for a swift and peaceful resolution to this tragedy. Man, all of this sounds familiar, right? Well, right. those two aren't the only ones. <laughs> Sony Pictures has also announced that it's going to pause its plans to release Morpheus, its upcoming solo film of the Marvel anti-hero, for all and all other upcoming theatrical releases in Russia. A Sony Pictures Entertainment spokesperson said, "Quote: Given the ongoing military action in." Uh, Ukraine and the result of the uncertainty and the humanitarian crisis unfolding in that region, we will be pausing our planned theatrical releases in Russia, including the upcoming release of Morpheus. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with all those who have been impacted and hope the crisis will be resolved quickly. So, I mean, I mean, if one of them says something like that, they're all going to follow. So oh, it absolutely. only makes sense right now. Now, I'm curious. Now, Russia, if you guys aren't familiar, it's not a massive market for U.S. films. I mean, they make some okay money there. Yeah, but they love it. China is the huge market, which lately just seems to be boycotting all of America's films anyway. Facts. But I'm curious to see because China did come out and kind of say that they support Putin's invasion. Mm. I'm curious to see if these studios will have the balls to say, well, we're not going to release in China either. I don't know. Because that is a massive market yeah. for American films and a lot of money is made there. Um, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't... To see if that I, fouls up. <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that I, one. I, like I said, it would take some balls because you do make a lot of money in, yeah, in China, but we'll see. Yeah, man, yeah. Uh, now, heading over to the actual Disney section of things. A new Alien film is in the works at 20th Century Studios with director uh, Feed Alvarez set to helm the project. Ridley Scott, the director of the original 1979 movie, damn, I didn't know he's been around that long, uh, is producing now in addition to the directorial duties alvarez is pinning the script for the standalone film scott is producing via his scott free banner and the movie is intended to stream on hulu very interesting went the streaming route instead of the theatrical uh yeah and um 
Okay. I mean, I love the Alien franchise, so, like, you know, all, all right, let's do another one. I don't think it's necessary, but yeah. I'm not going to, like... See, I, I love the Alien versus Predator franchise. When they mix them both, yeah. those, those are my favorite. Well, and maybe maybe we see something like that I again. If that. this one's successful on streaming, then maybe you do see more of them coming. Yeah. Um. Now, this one, I don't understand the point. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. I loved the original. I, I was a huge fan. I thought it was Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson killed it. I don't understand why we need to do it again. They did it perfectly the first time. I'm, of course, talking about the reboot of uh, White Men Can't Jump. Apparently, musician and rapper Jack Harlow is set to make his acting debut in the 20th Century reboot. Mm. Now, Kalmatic, who helmed the upcoming House Party remake, in directing, apparently, the script by Kenya Barris and Doug Hall. Now, that means it will at least be funny because, yeah. I mean, they, they, you know. Harlow is going to step into the role played by Woody Harrelson. And the circumstances behind his landing the starring role are pretty exceptional when you think about it, which is kind of cool. Apparently, he got the lead after his first ever screen audition, immediately winning over the filmmakers and executives, particularly Barris. Now, Harlow's got game two, apparently, as evidenced by his play during the recent NBA All-Star Weekend Celebrity Game. Uh, filmmakers are now having this thing on the fast track. They are actively seeking his co-star for the Wesley Snipes role and are trying to fast track this thing. So we'll keep you updated on it, but... Um, Okay. We'll see, man. We'll see. <laughs> Tyler Hero working on that jumper. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, Disney announced yesterday that Disney Plus will launch an ad-supported subscription plan later this year. They're all seeming to gear towards this yeah. to try to get that one step up in the streaming wars. Uh, the ad-supported Disney Plus plan will be introduced at the beginning uh, in the late U.S. of late uh, 2022 with plans to expand internationally in 2023. The media conglomerate announced Friday, but no pricing or specific launch day date has been uh, announced yet. The uh, AVOD version of Disney Plus will be offered at a price less than the regular ad-free version. Well, no shit, which is the U.S. cost of $7.99 per month. Now, I think it can't be more than $4.99. There's no way, because if it is, then why not just go for the bundle? Why yeah, not just yeah. go for or the $7.99? Like, I'm, what? I don't know. I, I, I'm really not understanding this move. Their, their subscribers keep growing at a yeah. decent rate. They're staying ahead of pace of where they put themselves where they wanted to be at you know certain milestones. Um, content is great. Everything's rocking and rolling along. I don't think this is necessary. It's already one of the cheapest streaming platforms. Facts. It's only $7.99. So out of all of the ones that you have, this is the bargain already. Exactly. I, I'm not sure I understand the need for this. Agreed. But we'll see. Yeah, man. I do understand the need for this and we are so fucking super excited about this we teased it last week because we said we didn't know we weren't sure but we thought maybe well now we know for sure guys it's not just canada i'm of course talking about all the former netflix marvel comic book series daredevil jessica jones luke cage iron fist punisher and the defenders will officially i said will officially call disney plus their new streaming home Disney did, in fact, confirm all six series will begin streaming on the platform in the U.S. on March 16th, so right around the corner, but that's not it. Mm -mm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all seven seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., also home at Disney. They're going to be on Disney Plus as well. That is so freaking crazy awesome. Now, I know what you're thinking. How? Right? Because this is a bold move by Chappie. He is the first CEO ever in the history of the company 
to put something like this under the the mouse ears. Mm. Disney, it's always been the goal that the Disney name is family-oriented and nothing like that should go under the Disney brand. Chappick said, well, we're doing it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we we talked about forever that he had to make a bold move to to make his Disney, right? He's got to escape Eisner and Walt and and Bob Iger, right? Okay, well, he's making a bold move. How's he going to do it? Well, this is how he's going to do it. With the addition of the titles... Like Daredevil, which if you guys saw is extremely violent. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus is going to apparently simultaneously release an update to its existing parental controls in the U.S., prompting all subscribers to update their settings. Now, the settings include an option to select content rating restrictions for each profile and to add a pin that you can actually lock the profiles for. Those that choose to keep their settings the same as they are now will continue to use Disney Plus the way they always have with a TV 14 content rating with the option to make changes at any time uh, that they want to change their profile. But now here's the thing, guys. If you do not choose to change it, you will not be able to watch the Marvel shows. Yeah. You have to change your settings to this new new thing in order to be able to watch the Marvel shows. So that's how he's getting away with it. We'll see if that is successful or not successful. But kudos, man, because I've been dogging you for months to make a bold move to it show us that this is your Disney. Well done. Yeah, very ballsy, man. Very ballsy. I don't know if it's going to be the right decision, but we we shall see, man. We shall see. Because, I mean, it reminds me of, like, HBO and Stars before they were, you know, streaming services. And they were on linear television. And you stole your parents' password. And, like, you were able to log in and sometimes watch porn. Like, all this stuff. So... You know, you know. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But, I mean, he needed to make a decision like this, so kudos to him. Uh, like I said, we'll see how it goes. Um, Cal Penn. <laughs> J-Lo just linked traffic to Disney kids watching porn. I mean, you know. I know, you know. What, what's the next thing? What's the evolution of this? Who knows, man? Who knows? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Cal Penn has joined the Santa Claus limited series at Disney+. Plus. Penn has been cast as Simon Chowowski, the ambitious game inventor and product developer and a devoted single father simon can talk the tech mogul talk but can he walk the walk Mm. and his dreams of being the next bezos fall drastically short uh but that all changes after a visit come or a visit to the north pole so that's very exciting i Uh, mean they keep building that one yeah i mean this is like this is a good one i mean so okay so he's a single dad like scott yeah so uh, of course santa's gonna help him become successful he can do tech toys for santa yeah exactly it's a win-win for everybody and maybe this guy will inevitably because we know the plot of that show is he's trying to find the next Santa. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe that's it. I'm pumped. Maybe Cal Penn is the next Santa. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Diversity. Yeah. All right, go Disney. Go Disney. I am super pumped about this one because we are huge fans of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, obviously. Big fans of Grey's Anatomy, obviously. This guy, huge fan of Grey's Anatomy. Thanks. So this only makes sense of why we're excited. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Skylar Aston has joined the cast of Grey's Anatomy in a recurring role. His arc will begin later this month in the March 24th episode titled, Put the Squeeze on Me. Oh. According to representatives from ABC, Aston will play Todd Eames. Uh, they provided a log line for the character. 
Want to know what he's like? Well, here it is. Charming and handsome with a gentle soul, Eames holds a PhD in environmental science and loves a good spreadsheet. He is close with his sister, who is pregnant, a patient at Grace Loan Memorial. Will he be a potential love interest for OBGYN resident Joe Williams, who we know is Camilla Luddington, who also recently... Did the deed with her best friend, not best friend, kind of, you know, Chris Carmack. How's that going to go down? They just finally did it. Now they're going to bring somebody in to break it up. Maybe. ABC's literal comment was, maybe. Oh, my goodness. So wild, man. So wild. Admit your feelings. She actually becomes in love with him. So we'll see, man. We'll see how all that goes. But this guy is literally only a you away from being my family. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, ABC has ordered the drama pilot of uh, the company you keep. And we're super excited about this one because the guy with one name, that's all you have to say. And that is Milo is attached to star. The pilot is based on the Korean format, The Fellow Citizens. A night of passion leads to love between a con man, Charlie, who's played by Milo, and an undercover CIA officer, Emma, uh, who are unknowingly on a collision course professionally. Uh While Charlie ramps up the family business uh, so he can get out for good, Emma closing in on the vengeful crime who holds Charlie's family's debt in hand, forcing them to reckon with the lies they've told so they can save themselves and their families from a disastrous consequence. Mm. That's a lot happening, man, but I I like it. I think we're going to see Milo in a different type of role. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a con man, he's going to be a bad guy. It's not Jess. It's it's kind of like more bad than Jess, but nowhere near Jack. Nowhere near Jack. It's going to be like, you know... All right. Uh, one thing, for it's going to be a good guy you root for. I mean, a bad guy you root for. Facts. That's how it's going to be. Exactly. Okay, so as if all the Marvel Netflix shows weren't enough, Disney's not done. They're bringing more shit home, okay? All the past and future seasons of Ryan Murphy's shows, including American Crime Story and American Horror Story, as well as all three seasons of Pose, will be available to stream on Hulu. Now, while all past ten seasons of American Horror Story are currently available on Hulu, both American Crime Story and Pose had previously only been available on Netflix due to a deal that they had in place prior. So... All three seasons of both American Crime Story and Pose will now become available on Hulu on March 7th. So that's like now. So yeah, you're good to go. While all future seasons of both American Horror Story and American Crime Story will then stream exclusively on Hulu after their run on FX. So it's like next day kind of a thing. They'll do their linear show on FX and then they'll drop on Hulu. Um, That's huge. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, a lot of people are huge fans of those shows and haven't been able to have access to them. Boom. Now it's all in one place. I know. That's super exciting, though. That's super exciting. Something else that we're super excited about and that we've been waiting for fucking ever is Donald (laughs) Glover's acclaimed FX series, Atlanta. Well, that wait is almost over. We finally have got a release date, and that is March 24th. Yeah! And the FX has premiered the official trailer of the third season. Uh, It's a new look of Atlanta, and it's going to focus on rapper Paperboy's tour in Europe. Mm. Now, Glover's uh, stars as Paperboy's manager, Ernest Earn Marks, as we all know. Additional plot details are being kept under wraps at this time, but, I mean, take the guys out the hood and take them to Europe. I feel like that's going to be fucking hilarious. I mean. So, I'm pumped for it. Yeah, no doubt. And 
thank you for finally giving it to I us. I know. Because it, it does really seem like it's been like fucking forever. Yeah. Um, all right. Jump into Fox. <clears throat> Fox's next level chef is ready for, well, it's next level. <laughs> the Gordon Ramsay fronted cooking competition has been renewed for a second season. Now, in case you didn't know this, Next Level Chef was the first Ramsay show to debut on Fox after he signed his huge new joint venture, uh, Studio Ramsay Global, with Fox Entertainment last August. So it only makes sense that they're going to renew his stuff and probably keep giving him a bunch more. I was about to say, how many shows is this for Gordon Ramsay? Like, I mean, this man has, like, a shit ton. Gordon Ramsay is Fox's Taylor Sheridan. Facts. He's just (laughs) just pumping out Gordon Ramsay stuff like Paramount's pumping out Taylor stuff. Exactly, man. Exactly. We're here for it. (laughs) And the Scott Foley-led drama, The Big Leap, has been canceled Mm. just after one season at Fox. The Big Leap revolves around a group, or did revolve, (laughs) around a group of diverse down-on-their-luck characters attempting to change their lives by participating in a potential life-ruining reality dance show featuring modern reimagining of Swanland. Like, this guy just cannot catch a break. He cannot. I don't know. Whiskey Cavalier, now this one. I, I know. He deserves it. He's a good actor. He's a fucking great actor. Like, why don't we do a reboot of Felicity? While we're all, let's bring Jennifer Garner back. Let's bring, bring them all back. Fuck. Let, I mean, give this man a hit. Shit. Exactly. Uh, hey, this woman has not had a problem having hits. She said the big F you to Simon Cowell, and she has been rolling ever since. Jennifer Hudson, of course, is who I'm talking about. She's coming to daytime this fall with the launch of the Jennifer Hudson show on Fox. While the new one-hour talker is technically Warner Brothers TV replacement for Ellen, which is coming to an end this year, Hudson's show is positioned to be the studio's new flagship daytime talk show once DeGeneres has said her final goodbye after 19 years. Now, here's even more good news. In addition to being carried to buy or Fox TV stations, Hudson's show will also launch on Hearst Television along with additional station groups. So now, her show will literally be covering more than 60% of the country, which means you're likely to see it. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And I mean, we talked about this one before, so we're finally excited to say when around the time of the year it's finally going to get premiered. So super pumped about that one. Heading over to Warner Media, jumping to the bunny, as we say. Early industry tracking estimates are seeing that we're going to see at least 20 to, or 120 and 135 opening for the Batman, and we could see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Over three days, our after is what expected to be a 57 million Friday, including previews. The anticipation by many of these numbers uh, for three hours, I mean, is crazy, right? Uh, That would be the biggest opening of 2022 so far. Reeves' near three-hour movie isn't putting anybody to sleep, though, man. I mean, post-track Thursday night polls show uh, four and a half stars and 88% positive and a massive 73% uh, definite recommendation. Now, men over 25 led the charge at 42%, giving the Batman a 86% grade. Men under 25 are loving it with a 90% positive outlook. Men are women over 25 turned out at 17% with an 85% grade, while women under 25 under 25 repped 14 percent of a crowd with a 95 percent grade so i mean what does that mean means people are loving it okay so get out to your theaters and see the batman yeah i mean the coveted age group 18 to 34 all gave it 80 percent or higher as approval that's fucking huge that's that's massive 
This is going to be fucking I'm huge. so pumped I about mean, this I mean, this is going to be amazing. Will Smith and the man himself of the hour right now, Michael B. Jordan, will star and produce in an I Am Legend follow-up feature yes. penned by Avika Goldsman for Warner Brothers Oscar winner Goldsman adapted Richard Matheson's 1954 novel for the original 2000 film, uh, 2007 film, and he returns to pen the follow-up. Now, details about the new movie, including the plot and who will direct, are scarce at this time. But it's Will Smith and Michael B. Jordan and Avika Goldsman, so it doesn't matter what the fucking plot. It's going to be epic. It's so crazy. And if I'm remembering correctly, Will died at the end of I Am Legend, right? I think so. I mean, his dog was trying to kill him, and so we know we killed our, And then all the fucking zombies <laughs> were coming into his like lab. I don't know, man, but that was that's probably one of my favorite Will Smith oh, movies. Yeah. It's so fucking good. And now you throw in Michael, Michael B. B. It's just going to be oh, like, pew, off the charts. Uh, speaking of off the charts, something that this guy over here has not started yet. I haven't watched season two yet. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Euphoria is now HBO's second most watched show since 2000. Four behind Game of Thrones, obviously. Now, the Zendaya-led drama hit yet another series high. We've been talking about this for like the past three <laughs> weeks, I feel like, with uh, its season two finale episode drawing in 6.6 million viewers. According to HBO, Euphoria season two episodes are now averaging 16.3 million viewers. Now, the best performance for any season of an HBO series over the past 18 years other than Game of Thrones, like I just said. But, man, this one has everyone talking. If you have not watched this yet, please be sure to sit down and do so because, I mean, it's better than season one. I've been saying this since the beginning. It's better than season one, so it's definitely worth the watch. Yeah, from everything I've heard, season two is pretty intense, and apparently behind the scenes, it's pretty intense too because it's not all good news for the hit series. Apparently, the Daily Beast published a report in which background actors on the series claim there were multiple complaints made to SAG-AFTRA over the production failing to let people use the bathroom and refusing to let people eat lunch. They didn't have lunch. There were no proper holding areas for the extras, and there were so many complaints called into SAG-AFTRA that a union rep apparently turned up on set. On top of that, the creator himself, Sam Levinson, and series regular Barbie Ferraria reportedly had a falling out over the story direction of Ferraria's character, Cat, which led Ferraria allegedly to storm off the set and Levinson cut back Cat's role during the season. HBO denied that Ferraria actually stormed off the set. They also denied that uh, she she was upset with the cut of her role. Um, Euphoria Season 2 produced they this is their statement okay they said euphoria season two was produced in full compliance with all safety guidelines and guild protocols the well-being of our cast and crew on our production is always the top priority the production was in full compliance with all the safety guidelines and guild protocols and it's not uncommon for a drama series to have complex shoots. COVID protocols add an additional layer. We maintain an open line of communication with all the guilds, including SAG-AFTRA. There was never any formal inquiry, and SAG-AFTRA declined to comment. So That's rough. Her, her storyline was drastically cut down from season one. Like, season one, her storyline was probably one of the most, you know, in your face, but they, yeah, I mean, she barely had any lines in season two, so that would make sense. 
I mean, this is That's interesting only in the fact of, remember the whole Riverdale thing? Yeah. was brought in where there were issues about not getting fed and working too many hours. And like, this seems to be a thing at Warner Brothers that keeps popping up on different productions. So we're going to keep an eye on this. And For sure. I mean, KJ fucking had into an accident. Yeah. So I mean, so, you know, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got to stay on top of this, guys. We got to treat our actors and creators right. Even background actors. Even background actors. I mean, actors. come on. Come on. Everybody needs to eat. Uh, HBO Max unveiled the first trailer for Julia, an upcoming series about the life of the beloved culinary icon Julia Child. Julia will premiere on March 31st with three episodes, followed by weekly episodes dropping for the next five weeks after that. That seems to be the new format. They drop yeah. the first three just to get you hooked in, and they're like, ha ha, you gotta fucking wait. That's right. So. The trailer looked pretty good, though. I think it's gonna be pretty good. Agreed. Uh, Matt Barr, who you guys know, currently stars in the CW's Walker as Hoyt is set to play another character with the same name nice. in the upcoming pilot Walker Independence. The upcoming series, as we guys have told you in the past, uh, was in development in 2021 and serves as a prequel to Walker and is an origin story set in the late 1800s following Abby Walker, an affluent Bostonian whose uh, husband is murdered before her eyes while on their journey out west. Now described as a good-looking, slippery rogue, Hoyt is a gambler and an outlaw who lays the low in the town of Independence. Cocky, confident, brash, and a bit foolhardy, he's been having an on-again, off-again affair with the rancher's daughter, Lucia. But after meeting Abby, Hoyt's wandering eye appears to be frozen in place. Well aware that Abby is straight, arrowed and not into all that shit Hoyt realizes he might have a lot to learn from her someone who might help him step away from the life of an outlaw that he's been living oh wow um so I'm wondering if he's like a granddaddy of the current character he's right. playing or like how that's gonna go down I guess we'll find out that's very interesting he's, yeah in season one of Walker he was very prominent and now that, like bouncing back and forth that that's interesting yeah we'll see uh Paramount which it's just Paramount uh <laughs> the worlds of iCarly and Drake and Josh are finally Finally colliding. We've been waiting on this for a while. Oh, yeah. The first trailer of season two of Paramount Plus's hit, iCarly Revival, shows the guest star of the one and only Josh Peck, who is joining the new season of Carly's aggressive manager, Paul Peck and Miranda Cosgrove used to be co-stars on Nickelodeon's Drake and Josh, and if you didn't Duh. know that, you were living <laughs> under a rock. Before uh, Cosgrove broke out into the star original role of iCarly series in the late 2000s, the new season of iCarly was the first reunion for the two former Nickelodeon teen stars. The trailer also reveals that the 10-episode season 2 of iCarly will premiere on Paramount Plus on April 8th, so be sure to mark your calendars with that. Two episodes will Will debut that day, followed by weekly releases <laughs> on Fridays. This is the new format for streamers. Yeah, and I mean, I'm here for it. To oh, be honest. totally. I loved the first season, and I, I mean, I, you know, we're not huge fans of reboots and everything, but this one is fun. This is a revival, and it's fun. And she's grown revivals up now. are way better. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. She's grown up. They're they're going through grown up things now, and. As fun as Josh Peck coming back is, the trailer also kind of hints definitively that maybe Freddie finally gets his woman. I really hope so. I hope so, they too. They deserve to be together. They do! They do. All right, jumping over to NBC Universal, and oh boy, oh boy. I don't know. I don't know about this one. This is this seems like a really bad move, and it's going to piss me off, even though I have Peacock. It's still going to piss me off. <laughs> uh, NBC Universal is clawing back streaming rights to its current season TV shows from Hulu in order to keep them for its own 
own Peacock service. Yeah. Now, this we knew this is coming. Like, all these streamers are taking their own content back. So, yeah. I mean, it's not a surprise move, but it is controversial. The Comcast-owned programmer officially terminated its next-day streaming deal with Hulu, which, of course, is majority-owned by Disney. The change will go into effect the next TV season, starting in late September, for next-day and, this is the thing, and library content. <laughs> With the change, new episodes of popular shows, NBC shows like Saturday Night Live, The Voice, Law and Order Organized Crime, and and Law and Order SVU are all going to go to the Peacock. You won't be able to watch them the next day on Hulu anymore. Now, Law and Order, the original that just recently came back, it's already like that. You can only watch it on, well, I think two days later you can watch it on Hulu, but initially you can only watch it on Peacock. So that's the move. That, that I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to piss a lot of people off, but like we've been talking about it forever. It only makes sense that licensed content that had deals with other streamers, they're going to start bringing that shit back to their own streamers. I mean, yeah, like I understand NBC's move to push more people towards the Peacock. Yeah, I mean, that's we're in the streaming war, so that's what you got to do. But at the same time, Hulu is a massive juggernaut, and why wouldn't you not want to keep your relationship with Disney? I mean, Disney is by far in the forefront of the studios when it comes to overall global knowledge and acceptance and all this different thing. So you at least want to have some sort of bridge to continue having that working yeah. relationship. So I don't, I, don't I just know. don't know about this one. I don't know. We'll I see how it goes. The majority of the country turns to Hulu to watch shows that they missed. For sure. Yeah, no, and that's – it's. I know. Mm. We're super excited about this next one because our former guest, Shanola Hampton, has been cast in the lead role of a drama, NBC drama series, Pilot uh, Found. Now, Hampton also will serve as producer in addition to starring. Uh, The one-hour drama deals with the fact that in any given year, more than 600,000 people are reported missing in the United States. More than half of that number are people of color that the country seems to just forget about. Now, public relations uh, specialist Gabby Mosley, who's going to be played by Hampton, uh, who was uh, once herself one of those forgotten ones, and her crisis management team now makes sure that there is always someone looking for the forgotten missing people. But those, uh, but unbeknownst to everyone and anyone, uh, this everyday hero is hiding a chilling Uh-oh. secret of her own. <laughs> Damn, that sounds interesting. I'm I'm excited for that one, and I mean she's a great actress, oh, so dear, of course yeah. we're gonna watch that one. Hell yeah, and I hope. But beyond producing, we see her direct some episodes too, because she's a fucking great director Facts. as well. Oh, uh, this one I'm I'm getting more excited about. I was initially kind of not excited because I thought it was a reboot, but apparently it's a revival, mm. which makes it more interesting to me. The Quantum Leap pilot at NBC has cast Raymond Lee in one of the show's lead roles. Lee will star as Doctor Bedsong. Uh, described as both a scientist and a man of faith. He's a world-renowned physicist working on a time travel project known as Quantum Leap. Now, this serves as a sequel series to the original Quantum Leap. The new version takes place 30 years after Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. Now, a new team has been assembled uh, to restart the project in the hopes of understanding the mysteries behind the machine and the man who created it, and maybe finding him. 
Like that, that would be my thing. Like bring him back and, and like, obviously, you know, but it, it makes more sense now that it takes place and it's a sequel and it's a revival type. I'm more excited about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that one's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, this next one is, I don't know, man. (laughs) Demi Lovato, who we've told you was attached to star in NBC's multi-camera comedy pilot, Hungry bad title um for a year but she has now stepped down from her acting duties in that project uh and it was just about to start production super unfortunate lovato (laughs) along with their uh manager her manager scooter braun remain executive producers on this the role is being recast with the goal to have a replacement shortly so that the pilot stays on schedule now according to sources lovato bowed out as actor due to scheduling issues I just think this one should be taken off because it doesn't sound good. Mm. Just saying. I don't know. You were right with there because uh, they refer to themselves as them and they now, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> this one I'm kind of surprised about because it was critically a success, I thought, and it seemed like everybody was kind of talking about it. And I mean, so I'm kind of shocked by this one. But then again, I'm not because it seems like everything gets canceled. Ordinary Joe been canceled at NBC. Yeah. The series aired one season on the broadcast network. The show debuted in September and aired 13 episodes through January. It received mixed reviews from the critics and failed to make a significant impact in the ratings. I wonder if Roku is going to pick it up. Right? Exactly. They love doing that shit. They but do. this one's a very interesting premise, so I'm, I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked it didn't get another season just to kind of play it out a little bit. I yeah, don't know. exactly. Well, David E. Kelly's upcoming Peacock crime drama, The Missing, mm. has tapped Barry Levinson shit. to direct multiple episodes, including oh, yeah. the first one. Uh, he will also serve as executive producer on the series. Levinson is best known for directing the films, including Rain Man, Good Morning Vietnam, uh, Wag the Dog. Most recently, he directed the first two episodes of the limited series Dope Sick on Hulu. So this is very very exciting for David's series. So super pumped about that. Hell and I'm yeah. excited to see that one move forward. Yeah. And I'm pumped to see Levinson getting on all these TV projects, man. Cause he's a brilliant fucking director. Yeah. Uh, the pitch perfect series at Peacock has added Jamila Jamil, Sarah Highland and Lyra Abova to its cast. The trio joins previously announced series lead Adam Devine and cast member flew aboard. This one just keeps ramping up. I, I mean, it's going to be pretty good. I think I know I'm pumped for that one. See how it's going to turn out. Uh, now heading over to Sony, the Sopranos, Alessandro Nevala, uh, and West Side Story star Ariana DeBose uh, have joined Sony's Craven the Hunter, mm. starring uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Russell Crowe, and Fred Hetchinger. Uh, now the series, the latest in the Sony's Pictures universe, uh, Marvel characters, which includes Spider-Man, Venom, and the Morbius films, Craven the Hunter is set to be released theatrically on January 20th or January 13th of 2023. Yes. Now, Nivola is reportedly playing the uh, film's villain uh, while Debose will play uh, Calypso, a voodoo uh, priestess who is on and off lover of Craven. Yeah. Ooh, very yeah. Interesting. Calypso's a very interesting character and that relationship in the comics with Craven is um pretty intense. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's going to be pretty good. Hey, this one's interesting. Are you an American Idol fan? Uh cuz you know, I think still some people are. Some well, people. Sony Pictures thinks some people are and is willing to spend some money on it. Sony Pictures Television sealed a deal to acquire Industrial Media, a major non-fiction TV production company whose portfolio just happens to include 
90 Day Fiance, So You Think You Can Dance, and American Idol. The deal values industrial media at about $350 million. Upon closing, Sony Pictures will acquire the majority controlling interest in industrial media, but the studio declined to reveal exactly how much that percentage is. Hmm. It just needs to be 51%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Exactly. That's funny. Well, heading over to MGM, Emmy-nominated The Good Place star William Jackson Harper has joined the cast of Corey Finley's Landscape with Invisible Hand. Mm. Uh, he joins previously announced stars Asante Black, Tiffany Haddish, Kyle Rogers, Clifton Collins Jr., Michael Gandolfini, Joss Hamilton, and Brooklyn McKenzie in the film from MGM. That's super exciting. Plan B Entertainment and uh, Anna Peruna Pictures. Landscape with the Invisible Hand is a heightened comedy set in the deeply uh, – what, what does that say? I, I'm farsighted. And it's hard to read. Deeply stratified. Stratified alien future and Mark Finley's third film after Thoroughbreds and uh, Bad Education. Ooh, so Good for him. He's starting to love Line up some stuff and getting it done. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for this one. We're jumping over to Lionsgate, Hightown has been renewed for a third season. It stars the crime drama starring Monica Raymond. Uh, aired ten episodes, second season between October and December of last year. If you haven't wa- watched this one, you should check it out. I've been a total fan of hers since Lie to Me way back on Fox back in the day. But she did a stint on Chicago Fire, and she's a brilliant actress. And this is a really good crime gritty show. So if, if you're into that kind of stuff, you should definitely check that one out. Oh man, for sure. Well, now heading over to the streaming juggernaut, which is Netflix. Everybody has seen Hulu's freaking Pam and Tommy. Well, Pamela does not really like that. Yeah, she saw it too. Yeah. uh, (laughs) So Anderson is telling her side of the story her way. And a new documentary set at Netflix dubbed as a definitive documentary about the pop culture icon. Can we really call her that now? I mean, maybe 90s pop culture icon, but I mean, whatever. Uh, the film has been in the making for several years before landing at the streamer. Directed by Ryan Wright, uh, who was the Keepers and Ask Dr. Ruth, the yet-to-be-titled documentary will feature exclusive access to Anderson, as well as archival uh, archival footage and her personal journals. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, her two sons are heavily involved in this and were kind of behind it. Mm. Uh, so the the eldest and the youngest. So that's going to be interesting to see how For they sure. talk about their father. And like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Rufus Sewell and Ali Ahn have been cast as series regulars in the upcoming Netflix series, The, the Diplomat. We've told you about this one. The pair joined previously announced series lead Carrie Russell in the series, which is described as a political thriller. And you might recognize the female lead there. She is on um, Raising Dion right now. She's the head of, of the, the company that does all the testing and everything for him. So that's exciting. Super exciting, man. And the upcoming Netflix comedy series, Blockbuster, has added five new cast members. Uh, Tyler Alvarez from Never Have I Ever and American Vandal. Um, Madeline Arthur from To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Devil in Ohio and Olega uh, Meredes uh, in In the Heights and Encanto have all joined the show as series regulars. Uh, J.P. J.B. Smooth uh, from Curb Your Enthusiasm and Spider-Man No Way Home, yep. and Camilla Fairburn from Over Overlord and Underwoods and Endlings uh, will also appear as uh, recurring guest stars in that one. So that's very exciting. Yeah, I'm 
pumped about that show, and it makes sense. You got to have some recurring people because they've got to have people that come in and keep renting movies. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so it only makes sense. This one is exciting as hell, and I'm super pumped. And this guy seems to be making. You were talking about keeping relationships with all. He seems to be building relationships with all the streamers, and he's doing it very brilliantly. Thanks, Robert Downey Jr. and one of his favorites, writer director Shane Black, are reuniting once again. The pair are teaming at Amazon this time to develop a series of movie and television projects adapted from Donald E. Westlake's Parker crime fiction series. Now, the first project emerging from the deal will be a feature film titled Play Dirty, in which Downey Jr. stars as Parker, a professional thief with a brutal mercenary work ethic. Black will direct and pen the adaptation. That's super awesome because, like I said, the, he seems to be building. He's got something to every streamer going on. So good for him, man. Yeah, seriously. And, I mean, good for Phoebe Waller-Bridge who is continuing to build her relationships everywhere else as well. And now she's got a long-awaited follow-up to her Emmy-winning series Fleabag yeah. uh, ready to go. Prime Video has greenlighted the new Waller-Bridge show, which will start shooting by the end of the year. Oh, shit. Details about the premise are being kept under wraps. This is the first series Waller-Bridge has created under her massive three-year overall deal with Amazon Studios that she signed back in September of 2019 that we told you about on the show. That's right. So very exciting for her. Yeah, and I'm surprised it took this long. I mean, come on now. Yeah. It's like a huge success of that. Exactly. It come on. Uh, Jumping to Apple, and we told you about Skylar Aston. Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, super excited about him with Grey's Anatomy. Well, creator, Noah Weisberg, right? Uh, uh, Noah Weisberg. Why I, did I say I, Noah? Noah I, Austin uh, Winsberg. Uh, Noah Weisberg stars on it. Yeah. Austin Winsberg, creator, also has another show that you guys might not have heard of, but it's doing extremely well, and it got a renewal. I'm talking about Acapulco, which has been renewed apparently for a second season at Apple TV+. Plus. Season 2 will see a young Maximo in 1965 now. As you guys know, the first one takes place in 19. 19- 64, contending with the upheaval at the resort, unexpected problems at home, and a new love interest who just might rival the girl of his dreams. Now, in present, older Maximo arrives in Acapulco where he encounters various people from his past for better or for worse. Mm. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, you know, I, good for him for getting a season two pickup. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, uh, he's a brilliant creator and needs to have some stuff on there. Completely agree, man. Completely agree. Well, that ends our industry news segment. We appreciate it. And now it is time for our guest segment. Yes. We got the one and only Eden Marishow coming on the show to talk about Archive 81 and basically anything and everything that has to do with the entertainment industry and how filmmaking creates a beautiful bond between a father and a son. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And look, let me tell you, you guys will laugh, you will cry, you'll be angry, you'll be happy, you'll be sad, everything. This is a... All the emotions. This is an interview full of emotions, so I can't wait for everybody to listen to it, man. For sure, for sure. Well, here he is. Eden Marishow, welcome inside the crazy ant farm, man. How are you? Oh, fantastic. How are you doing? Oh, dude, we are living the dream, my man, it's living the dream. such a good day to be alive. <laughs> Yeah, we are super excited to talk to you. We know this interview is going to be an absolute blast. Well, obviously, we have a ton of our listeners are huge Archive 81 fans. Of course. So, you know, I mean, so they're pumped. They're they're ready. Uh, And we're pumped because, you know, we have so many questions. (laughs) Dude. Uh, So many theories. The theories are crazy right now. I mean, we're watching. We're uh, big on Twitter. And freaking when we're talking to people about this thing, they're they're throwing stuff left and right. Like, it's wild. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had uh Charlie Hudson the third on and man he was talking about all that shit too. 
Oh yeah, Charlie Honest, my yeah, man. man. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's epic, man. He's epic. Oh yeah. But what we like to do at the very beginning of all of our interviews is introduce you to our audience a little bit. Let them know how you got started. Was it something you always wanted to do, or did you just kind of fall into it? Um. Well, uh, my dad had like a little repertory theater company. Okay. With him that we used to. So he's an educator. And then we'd come home on the weekends and then we would, you know, have these rehearsals and stuff in the basement of our house. Mm-hmm. And we would do like performances out in the city of like, you know, smaller like black box mm-hmm. um, theaters and whatnot. So that was like my introduction to it. And, you know, the way I bond, bonded and continue to bond, bond with my dad is through movies. Ooh. So, so it's like, you know, some kids play football, basketball, whatever with their dad. My father hates sports, and <laughs> it was all about movies and VHSs and laser discs and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> yes, sir. Was he the type of guy that he was the technology guy? He had the new, like, latest thing. Was he that guy? He's that, yeah. He's that dude. That dude, I think it was, like, blood sport or, like, kickboxer. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he had two VCRs and did, like, his own, like, bootleg edit. And then yeah. when they do that roundhouse at the end, he just keeps kicking them, like, seven times. <laughs> <laughs> I love Man, that. Can't tell you how many times. Yeah, I had that set up. I, I had me some bootleg edits there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love that though. I love that. So I mean, we obviously can. Are you from Brooklyn? Yeah, born and raised. Oh, uh, you, born and raised. So you can, can tell. tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So I well, mean, actually, I take I take that back because. My lady always says that I was I spent two days in Manhattan. I was born at St. Vincent. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you gotta be technical, you know, you That's gotta right. be technical. That's so funny. Well, being from New York and being from Brooklyn, I mean, you think about New York and you think more about theater rather than film and television. Was that like what you started in basically? I mean, was on stage more of a home before film and television? I think yeah, like I um I started acting in my dad's plays as a kid, right? Right. So like I didn't do a lot of the school stuff, mm-hmm. but I was coming home with my dad, and you know, um, like we bonded that way. So yeah, it was definitely um, as a youngster just uh, being in his plays for a little bit, and then I was in a film when I was thirteen mm. because a dude named Larry Gilliard who's mm-hmm. on the I think oh, you know Larry Gilliard. He was on The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in a film called Straight Out of Brooklyn, and his uh, partner Moni Label was in one of my dad's plays, and they were looking for a kid in this movie. All there right, you go. And then I auditioned. I was like thirteen. It was a movie called Lotto Land. That was interestingly enough, like the first movie for a lot of actors: um, uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, Terrence Howard, John okay. Ortiz, like a lot of cats. And I was just like this little kid that was like, in the of the world. <laughs> you know? yeah, man. Um, so, and then after that, I kind of like, to be honest, I got to a point where, where I felt like I was doing it because my dad did it and it was an interest to him. So yeah. it was kind of, like, and my father was always like, "Yo, man, if you're gonna do this shit, like, you gotta do it, <laughs> right? Like, you know." And and I think other folks didn't understand that. Thought he was being hard on me, and in retrospect, yeah. he wasn't. He was mm-hmm. just trying to show me respect for the craft, for sure. And I kind of was like, nah, you know, I'm in high school. I'm doing like, uh, there were other interests. But then when I got to college was when I really was like, you know what? I, I can't, 
I can't. I have to. Like, I was always watching director commentaries on DVDs, mm-hmm. which to me is like, that's heartbreaking. Like, yeah. That we're losing that, man. Yeah. Because those are straight up film schools back in the day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, For sure. So, you know, I'm watching like, whether it's like Boomerang or fucking El Mariachi, you know, the, the other side of, 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 um, of uh, whatchamacallit, Desperado. That's right. You know, listening to, you know, listen to those, uh, those director's commentaries. I was just like, I just love movies, man. Mm-hmm. So I jumped into film school at Brooklyn College. So it shows you how Brooklyn I am. I went to Brooklyn Tech. <laughs> right. That's right. Not College. Manhattan College. Brooklyn yeah, exactly. College. Not, That's right. Not Manhattan College. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, man, I went to Brooklyn. I enrolled in Brooklyn College. And, uh, you know, I was a film major. Uh-huh. Film um, so from then it was, you know, it was about, it's about film. It's about filmmaking. And I, um, I was working simultaneously at the board department of education. So I wasn't like a teaching artist or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I was like legitimately what they call a paraprofessional. Mm-hmm. All so, right. Yes. Yeah, so I was an assistant teacher. So I was like 18 and, uh, I was doing that. And then they would give you relief, what they call release time. Mm-hmm. So like they wanted paraprofessionals to become teachers, so they would pay for six credits. Right. Oh, okay. And then you could leave early on a day a week to like go to school. Oh, so okay. I was like working at the board of ed. I was taking like twelve or eighteen credits. I forget, but I was um, leaving every Wednesday to like go um, to 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 go to film school. Yeah. And um, kind of how this ties around to like where I'm at now. Um, I had. I had a student named Latina Bill, bro. So, like, the way it works at the Board of Ed mm-hmm. is that, and everybody who's out there, like, that has, like, a quote-unquote, like, real job or survival mm-hmm. job. Right. You know, and I know this pod, I know this pod is, is also for folks that are, like, you know, maybe they're thinking about, you know what, maybe I could, maybe I could do this shit. That's right. And, you know, I started when I was 18. I was working with uh, what they call at-risk children mm. or... It, the, the technical term at the time was size seven children, basically kids that have emotional behavioral issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they were old enough, the system would probably incarcerate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you usually have like 12 kids with like three adults in a room usually. So right. it's like a teacher and two paraprofessionals and like 12 students. And literally the first day I get in there, I'm like 18. There's this eight, eight year old boy who just literally just goes, yo, man, who the fuck are you, yo? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, he had his North Face jacket on, the baseball cap. Yes, and he sir. Had, you know, well, for all my black folks out there, they know when it's cold, you put the get that Vaseline on your face. <laughs> and and she was like, uh, and, and then it comes to find out that it wasn't a dude, it was a little girl. Oh, wow. Okay. Telling me to fuck off. And that was like the beginning of like a a love affair. You know, you meet people in your life and you're like, man, I feel like I've known you. Like you were my little sister or I was like your, I was some kind of caretaker for you or maybe it was the other way around. But, you know, you have those connections in life where you're just like, yo, you're you're my, you're, you're my tribe. And so her name was Latina Bilbro and all my kids in my class, man. Class. So the first film company I had, I called Class 511 because that was the class that I had. Um, and when I would leave on Wednesdays, man, every day, like she would be the person that would encourage me. Yeah, she that's really, awesome. Like, yo, she'd be like, yo, Marisha, where you going? And I'm like, yo, I'm going to learn how to make movies. She'd say, yo, you're going to be famous someday. And, you know, like I didn't believe in myself like most of us don't. And right. I, you know, to try to just encourage her. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make movies and. 
she was like, you know, I, she always tell me, you know, I believe in you. Um, and the way it works in sped ed, man, is like, if you're good around the kid, they stay with you because they assume that they're home lives. And that's not the case. There's a lot of awesome parents, like Latina had great parents, mm-hmm. but they assume that the home life isn't. Right. So you can be with a kid for one, two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Peanut was with me for like three years. Mm-hmm. So that was my that was my baby. Yeah. So, you know, and we would do things outside of school with the kids. It was just like, it's just a different kind of familiar uh, family environment. Anyway, 10 years later, it's, uh, uh, you know, she's 18, week after her, her uh, 18th birthday. You know, I get a call. I'm driving into work with my dad. And I just got, I got a call that, you know, Latina was, was killed. Uh, and, uh. It's like every time I tell this story, man, it's just, um, she, yeah, she was killed in a drive-by coming home from braiding her cousin's hair. Oh. And, and, uh, I just remember talking to her in her, in her casket. And I was just like, yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this for both of us. You know, like you yeah. can't do it. Like I gotta make sure that, um, excuse me, I got to keep my promise to you. Right. So, and it was crazy because like I would bribe her and teach her how to read by, uh, I I would teach her how to read by like, I'd say, Hey, I'll teach you how to draw Snoopy. There you go. Or like, you know, I would, you know, I'd play basketball with her, you know, Uh it'll really hard, man. Cause I'd be like, these boys aren't going to be able to hit you as hard as I can hit you. That's right. And then, you know, in an obituary, it said that she loved to draw and play basketball. And, um, uh. <sighs> shit. It still hurts, man. So I uh, I said, all right, I'm going to do this. But I stayed at the board of it for another year because uh-huh. I was so scared. And then it came around like her birthday. I forget what it was. And I just, she just kept being on my mind. And I was talking to one of my kids, man. And, uh. I was just trying to tell him all the time, you know, follow your dreams. Dreams are real. You know, like this is possible. Right. Yeah. And, and, and one of my kids, just was just like, I was editing some film in the back on like an old school fucking iMac, man. Like mm-hmm. I was going to town, right. Or this right. film I made, or like during my lunch break. And one of my students looked at me, Trayvon Israel. He said, Mr. Marshall, what are you doing here? You know, like a, a fucking 10 year old kid just like looks at you and it's really like he's like 80. Right. right. And he's just like, dude, what are you, why, why are you here? Right. And I was like, yeah, I think this has run its course. Like, I love this job, but the only way I'm going to reach these kids now is if, is if I go out there and show them. Because, mm. you know, not to get into neuroscience and all that, but like with mirror neurons, like that's how, Humans learn. That's right. right. You, can talk, you can talk all the shit you want. You can say all like you could do this, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if somebody that's close to you, you see them do it, you think it's possible. That's right. So yes, sir. Like, you know what? I gave you know. I let them know I was going to be out by the end of the, you know by the end of the summer. Um, gave up. I was like half half into my pension. Uh-huh. I gave that up. I gave them my health care coverage, which was really. Wow, because I was a severe asthmatic. Mm. I no longer am. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, right. But but it was that thing, right? It's like, you know, when you have a big enough, when you have a big enough why, you'll move. That's right. Yes, sir. 
You know what I mean? So, so um, that was the thing, man. I was like, you know what, Pete? You know, I made, I made a promise. And now I'm out here. I don't know how this is fucking going to happen. Right. But I'm not going to be that. Is another is another story. Uh, but my boy Sean Clark, he had an assistant principal who played music mm-hmm. every assembly. Mm-hmm. And he knew that Sean and I were like make you know like trying to make films and do all this other stuff. And then he just turned to him one day and he was just like, "Sean, you know, regret is all it's cracked up to be." Mm. Yeah. It's, that's deep, deep man. that is deep i mean for real man we have to say thank you for sharing that story uh, and i mean telling us that because that really means a lot to us because there's a lot of people that are just down in the trenches and they don't want, know what to do they have this dream and they don't know how to pursue it and your story right there will give people the courage to take that leap to that next level and chase that dream. And so much mad respect for you, bro, because regardless of the story of, of going on and chasing the dream and, and, and realizing it and doing what you're doing now, but to step up and be that kind of guy that's going to work with those children mm-hmm. and make a difference in those children's life, you know, and, and know that you made and, and the tragedy that happened with peanut, but you know, you know you made that difference with her. And and it takes a special kind of person to be able to step up and do that for these children. And I have so much respect for you. And so the fact that you even stayed a year later because you felt like you weren't done yet and you still kind of needed to be there and do, do your thing. Dude, that's amazing. That, 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 that story and sharing that with us and then carrying that forward to what you're doing now and taking the leap that you took – um, but never forgetting where you came from and that promise that you made. That's everything, my man. And, and so much respect for you. So much respect. I, I appreciate it. When, when I first, when, when I got, um, when I was on Broadway uh, for the first time a couple years ago, um, like my debut, that was the biggest argument that I had with my agents. Mm-hmm. And um, the company was because they wanted my bio and they wanted it to be like, very, you know, it's very specific. It's like all right. the things that you've been in. I really didn't give a shit. I was like, all I care about, like I wrote, I wrote this bio about PS two fifty P two fifty six. That's right. And about Peanut. That was it. That's all I cared about. Right. And so it was a negotiation, but in the end, I was able to, you know, to say it to 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 put her name in the in the program. Hell yeah. That, it's really beautiful, man, because, I mean, we both come from very different backgrounds, but very kind of like the same backgrounds where we – him and I have both had tragic losses where it happens way too young and just being able to, you know, trying to overcome that because it would be so easy just to stay locked in a room somewhere and mourn the situation and just not do anything else because you don't want to do anything else. But you have to have that strength to pick yourself up off the ground and continue doing it for that person or those people. That's what it's all about. So like I said, I mean, that that story really touched us home with us. So I really appreciate it. So now – to bring this back up, let's light, lighten yeah. it up a little bit, right? <laughs> Clearly, we have established now in this first half of this interview, you are a genuinely good man Fuck with yeah. a good heart, <laughs> and you are solid. 
So how is it that you are able to play such a bad man on Archive 81? <laughs> That's that acting skill right there, my man. So, of course, yeah. let's talk about Archive 81 because it's huge right now. Everybody's into it. You know, for a lot of people that had no idea it started off as a podcast. So that's we asked Charlie that. We're going to ask you, did you, were you aware that it was a podcast before you read for it or had any idea what the history was? Yeah, so like when I read, you know, usually like when I read, like when I read a breakdown or I get the email or whatever, I kind of start digging in. I did know it was a podcast and kind of, you know, listen to an episode or, you know, episode or two, but then realized that it was kind of a, it was based on a thing, but it was a different thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's why sometimes as an actor, you have to just say, you know what, like this isn't actually going to serve me. Right. And then to the bad guy, the, the <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, you learn at acting school that, I mean, one of the first things they say is that you're capable, you know, you have to get comfortable with the fact that you're capable of doing anything. Right. Yeah, that's right. You know, so for me, it's actually, you know, for me, it's actually not that hard because I'm just, I'm playing, you know, right. like, yeah. like I'm in a, like I'm in this, the sandbox. So, um, I guess, uh, for me in my head, in my process, I was trying to humanize him Yeah, right? yeah. and I was trying to find ways I was trying to find ways for it to make sense for me to do what I'm doing. Mm, right. And I, and thought I had like little secrets for was, myself mm. that I was like, okay, let me hold on to this so that I could validate why I was doing what I was doing. Nice. Right. And just like we were talking about with Charlie's character, because we didn't know if he was a good guy or bad guy. And for like the longest time in the season, we didn't know whether or not like you even knew any of this shit was going on, whether you were just like maintaining the building, trying to keep everybody (laughs) cool, but keeping everybody away from that sixth floor and like all this different shit. But like, yeah, we really didn't know that your character had the motive that he had until like that one of those last episodes, I think it might've been episode five or episode six, right. when they're like down in the basement and they all put on the mask and I'm like, no, not him. No. <laughs> Dude, just sidebar. How dope. Charlie was so dope in that scene when they were in the other world and he was trying to get oh. him to like sit down for, it was so good. I mean, I, we were talking about that too. Like everybody's performance in this thing is just like, up to the next bar like it was absolutely phenomenal when you talk about you know because this is a whole like trifecta of things you got like you think it might be extraterrestrial you think it might be like cult worship or you think it might be you know like spirits coming back from the grave like there's so many different aspects that are coming they're throwing at you but it all works together so well and especially like I mean, we couldn't get a, give enough credit to the writing. I mean, that writing staff was absolutely badass for every single character, too, because I feel like you do get, you know, where they're coming from and why they're doing what they're do. you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I think it starts at to- at the top with Rebecca uh, Sun and Shine, mm-hmm. who's the showrunner, and um, Becca Thomas, who um, there was just such a calm and chill on set. Yeah. You know, the last thing you want is somebody fucking yelling at you. Exactly. And yeah, you could, you can, pro, you know, people can perform under those conditions because people are professionals. But when there's somebody who, like, their emotional IQ mm-hmm. is like equal to their like regular IQ, mm. um, like you have with uh, with Rebecca and Becca, um, it's just really a treat. It's really a treat to go to work. The other thing too, because I, you know, like y'all, like I direct and, and mm-hmm. write things myself. Yeah. 
the thing that will frustrate me as an actor is when a director doesn't listen to my ideas. Mm, yeah. Because like as an actor, you're like, yo, you spent way more time with this character mm-hmm. than anybody. That's right. You know, so they were so open to listen, um, to collaborate, um, and at the same time just had everything kind of I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't like that, but it seemed on the outside like they had everything figured out, man. Actually, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about. And I mean, we were talking yeah. about the technology too, man. Like when you get to those like last three episodes, like the CGI effects where like the creatures coming out of the screen and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like I really, I mean, other than Stranger Things, which you know they're paying like a shit ton of money for, but like I haven't really seen anything like that that Netflix has put that type of money or that type of effort into. So I thought it was a beautiful thing for them to put it in this one from a relative relatively like you know because i mean stranger things was huge off the get-go but like a relatively unknown project when they first premiered it yeah yeah i feel like it kind of had a stranger things trajectory it did yeah right like it was a similar similar vibes i mean being there for that scene with all those special effects and shit man like i had never been you know like i'm an independent filmmaker right so I see like this ball, like it's just this ball that's like whirling around. Right. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, is this like the fucking? That's right. Look like straight out of old school. Like he was like twirling. It was like half. Well, y'all know it was like half mirror, half whatever. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Like, Dude, what the fuck is that? That's right. Yeah. Um, in the indie world, we don't, we don't know what that is. Like, no, what? Yeah, Wait, hold on. <laughs> that's yeah, so yeah. Good. And, and Netflix really treated me really well. It was just a lot of fun, man. I think that that not just with Archive 81, but with several dozen shows, we've had a lot of guests on from different Netflix shows. They all equal that to what you say, that the work environment on their projects and the work environment is just they're treated with respect. They're treated with the way that you want to be treated when you're creating. So kudos to Netflix because we hear that continuously from guest after guest after guest. And I'll tell you, I think I like I want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier, because I think the reason that your character resonates so well and that people are connecting to you, even if you are the bad guy, is because I think bad guys resonate very well with the audience when you do try to not make them the bad guy. What is yeah. the reason this guy is doing what he's doing? Where is he coming from? Let's try yeah, to yeah. humanize him and say, if you were this, what would you be doing? And you did that brilliantly. And I think that's why people connect to your character and like, yeah, God, we want to hate this guy, but do we hate this right. guy? <laughs> and and I, I love that. I think when you're a bad guy and you can pull off getting the audience to root for you anyway – then you're doing something right, and I think you accomplished that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah man. man. And I mean, what, what, because you know, I mean, Hollywood was shut down for a good, I mean, three or four months because of the pandemic. And then we all finally started to go back to work. We shot a film during the pandemic, yeah. and we were completely safe. How did it feel on this set during the pandemic? I mean, dude, it was just like, I kept saying if America operated like a Netflix set, <laughs> it would be all right. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there was protocol on top of protocol on top of protocol, and it was super fucking efficient. People were coming to test you. You were going to get tested. It was, they tested me in Brooklyn. They tested me. <laughs> like, it was like, uh, <laughs> it was different. There was all kinds of different levels, like different zones, yeah, right? right? Where right. more and more PPE. And then we had like this wild, it was like, um, it was a shield, but it was came around your neck, so you oh. could like 
click it down so you could get hair and makeup. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, you couldn't get on set until you were tested. Like you got tested, and then you got tested when you were there. Damn. Um, so they, yeah, I felt, I felt uber safe. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, I mean, yeah, we, yeah. we love to hear that. We love to hear that. And I mean, plus like we were talking about, I mean, we're really hoping for season two because I really thought, you know, while you're watching this thing, you're like, it has to be a limited series. They, I mean, they're setting it up like a limited series, but then literally that last episode, you're like, holy fuck, there needs to be a season two. <laughs> like there's so many unexplained uh, answers and questions that we just don't know yet that, I mean, there's so many more like possibilities for it to go Heck down. Yeah. Like, and I mean, plus with, all of y'all like being from the past like the 80s or whatever and then playing into current time i feel like since old boy uh samuel is still in that other world like with the main character dude now like he's got to play into it as well so i mean your your character and everybody else's has to be brought back for season two i mean that would be great i think about that i mean i do i anticipate there being a season two i think so and also man Evan, Mama, do all those, all those cats. Yeah, um, Dean, everybody. It was just so again amazing to work with. Man. Heck yeah, it's really, heck yeah. It's, it's really a phenomenal cast. It really is, and the chemistry shows through. Like you could clearly tell, you guys were having fun doing it. So yeah, we all liked each other. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's important, man. And also, that's too, important. we're we're working we're working at a time too when things would like shut. That's like, right. Yeah, also, an amount of gratitude, right? It's just like, wow, like I, I'm getting, I'm getting to work. Like I'm super grateful. Exactly, man. Exactly. So you're talking about being an indie filmmaker. You know, we're indie filmmakers right now. So we, we want to talk about the hustle a little bit, man. I mean, so what part of indie filmmaking do you do, or are you like a natural born where you wear all the hats? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of. You know, again, like my, like my, you know, my dad was, you know, wearing all the hats in mm-hmm. theaters. So I think I kind of was like inherited know, that shit. Yeah, that's where the cloth I'm cut from. That's right. Um, so, like, yeah, Brooklyn College. You know, learned the stuff behind the behind the camera. Was learning stuff in front of the camera. With my dad, and then I ended up going to conservatory. Um, I made a film and like, I made my first feature. So what we used to do on my block. Yeah. We on public access, man. We, I don't even know if people know about public. Anyway, um, <laughs> we would make these movies of the week, man. So I was at film school, and this is when mini DV and like digital started to just creep in. Cause like at film school, I learned how to, I was working with Super 8, yeah, right, know, Super 16, 16 millimeter. Um, so I had this, we had this mini DV camera, and we would, so I, what I would do was I would go to Sears and I got a Sears card. So I bought an iMac, like the original iMac. Yeah. And like I got one of those like Firewire, like little Panasonic. That's right. Uh, uh, cameras. And then we would do like these little 50 minute movie of the weeks that we would put on. Nice. So I would write it in like a few days, then shoot it for a week and then edit it for another week. Nice. Um, and then at the end of it, I would return. I always say like I'm the reason I'm the reason they created the restocking fee because I would come in, I, I would use the camera for like three weeks, and I would be like, "Here you go," and then I would go back the next, I would go back the next month and, and you know get another one. Um, and then in 2005, I was still working at the board of bed, mm-hmm. and I made a feature film called This Thing Called Love, and I made it for 300 bucks. So it was literally like 
And this is for all those folks out there that are like looking to start something. One is going to suck ass. Like, <laughs> this is something that I say to everybody. Like I'm like, the only reason I've ever made what I've made is because I come to a realization like, yo, this probably is going to suck. <laughs> and I know this sounds like counterintuitive, but it's right. just like, I can realize like if I could get somewhat okay with that, if right. I'm like, yo, more than likely this is going to suck, but I'll get better. Yes. Right. It's about the learning experience. Exactly. It's like, I'll get better. You know, some, you know, perfection is not real. So I made this film in 2005 called this thing called love. It was like for 300 bucks. But again, it was my family and friends. Right. Right. So we would like, uh, take a broom, take the boom mic to the broom. Yeah. You know, um, you know we went to, we go to, to, to Home Depot. Buy, buy a lot of those floodlights, but then buy diffusion and right. buy CTV and CTO and all these other things, right? And then um, uh, my dad was like trying to help coach my friends in the basement, like with acting and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so we made this film, made it for $300. Then I was at the, we had like this dope ass premiere at the Brooklyn Museum. Nice. Like 600 people, like standing room only kind of thing. Yeah. And a lot of people enjoyed it, but again, it was one of those situations where I didn't believe in myself. Right. So all I kind of did was like tear it apart. Mm. Right. I was just like, no, this is whack. Like that's whack. Like, blah, blah, blah. but people sitting here like legitimately enjoying it. There yeah. you go. It was entertaining. You know, entertain them. That's so, right. so then I'm at the board of ed. That's the movie that I was editing when my student came up to me. It was like, yo, Marish, what, what are you doing? doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So I left, did a bunch of like crazy odd jobs. Um, I remember I was driving this this older gentleman with dementia to the golf course. Mm. Found that on Craigslist. He was super sweet. Nice. I was like driving, visiting nurses around. Anything that I could like do. Right. right? There was a time where I was dead, fucking broke. Mm-hmm. And I went. It was the day after Halloween, and all those candies at Walgreens went on sale. It was a big <laughs> bag of the big bag of Reese's. Yeah. And they were selling them for a dollar. I think I bought like 10 or 11 of them in a, in a, a quart or gallon of milk. And that shit, I was on that for like a week and a half, two weeks. Damn. That's what, that's what I ate, bro. But when I look back at those times, man, they were fucking awesome because I was going after something. There was a reason why I was doing it. It wasn't like I was struggling because I can't do that. You know, like that's a different kind of struggle. Right. Like the struggle, the struggle when you're, when you're, when you're, when you have control of your life, right? Mm. And you're like, I'm making a decision to do this. Yep. It just feels different. And there's the other thing, like people that are starting to create or that are creating, don't write close encounters of the third kind. Mm. Like write, write some shit you, you can do. Right. That's right. You know what I mean? Like write a film where there's two microphones and a film reel and like three pictures. You know what I'm like? Do that, and yeah, that's exactly. what just like <laughs> when you don't have any money, don't be writing some shit that's in outer space, like you know, <laughs> exactly. like you don't have it, you don't have exactly. it, <laughs> and then get tight, and then get tight. Like, why isn't anybody making my exactly. thing exactly? Um, <laughs> and then when you, when you, people don't get on a train on a train that's at the depot, right? You only get people only get on a moving train. Yep. That's it. It doesn't make any sense. 
That, he's a, I mean, that's beautiful, bro. Like, all of that, I mean, I feel like is really going to help the up-and-comers, you know? I mean, that's going to give them motivation to break into it. And I feel like that right there, that's the little cherry on top that is just going to wrap up this interview because I feel like how could you not walk away from this conversation feeling motivated? I feel motivated right Hell now yeah. just listening yeah. to you, bro. Like, it's so good. It's so good. We can't thank you enough, bro, like, for real. Like, it, open invite. Anytime you Hell ever yeah. want to come back on, bro, we are more than welcome. We will make a time slot. <laughs> we right. will ha- make it happen. Like, we do, like, an interview segment. Or, obviously, we do an interview segment. But we do an yeah. industry news segment where we talk about the entertainment news. We do a top five segment. A couple weeks ago, we did, like, top five uh, historical sports moments. Uh, this week, it's top five uh, directors of color. Like, you what, know. What were your top five, uh, what were your, what were your top five uh, uh, sports moments? The one that sticks out to me the most right now um, was, obviously, the Jordan flu game. Yeah. When, when old boy was playing the jazz in the finals and um i'm from indiana so i love the pacers and i'm all about basketball so reggie miller scare uh scoring those points in like that uh, amount of time this was going really well <laughs> that right there because you're a Knicks fan that's right that's right but it's funny like i'm one nick fan that for some reason i always had a soft spot for reggie miller dude he's There's so good about a guy who's like limited athletically yeah that just gives people the business Yes. That's right. That's it's right. about this. It's so good, man. It's so good. Well, listen, it's all about social media now. We want people to follow you. So where are you at on social media? Um, At Eden Marishaw on Instagram. Fantastic. Uh, I'm not really on Twitter or anything like that. For anybody out there listening, pick up a fucking broomstick and put on a microphone and do your shit. Dude, we've been there. We, we, have. we, have, had the, we have had the mic on the broomstick. We know all about that shit. That's how you make it. That's how you get it done. I loved that you said that. I was just like, yeah. fuck yeah. It we've works. all had it. It works. That's right. That's a stick and that's a fucking mic. Now it's a boom mic. You good? <laughs> Yeah, oh dude man have a great rest of the fucking night have a great weekend and dude just like well. thanks so much for the interview bro we have really you. appreciate it man i appreciate it that man can hold a conversation he can but but i'm glad because yeah. that story if you're not like right now thinking that you can chase your dream and make it happen he is the epitome of no matter what happens to you, no matter where you're coming from, whether you're broke as fuck, as he said, whether you, you know, circumstance, you can do it Literally. and you can make it happen and you don't need a lot of money. Like he said, 2500 bucks, and it got a national yeah. release. Come on, guys. I get know. out there and chase that dream. So good. So good. Thank you again, Eden, for coming on the show. All right, everybody. Now it is time for the top five segment. We're super excited about it because this week it is top five socially relevant films. Mm. Man, oh, man. You know all of these have to be deep. I've got one comedy, but the rest of them are so super deep and get you in your feelings. Um, number five for me goes to... The Hate You Give. Mm. This one was so good. It came out four or five years ago, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, come on. Just because it came out in the wake of, you know, police officers shooting unarmed black men while doing, uh, pulling people over. So I just feel like this is a very necessary situation that needed to be talked about and that needed to be made into a film, especially when it becomes a race thing between a white officer and a black human being. So it's just – it's one of those things that start a conversation. I feel like that's a beautiful thing that 
we have about all of these films. They start a conversation of necessary topics, and especially that one of those ending monologues of Common where he's talking about it when he's pulling somebody over, which everybody knows Common plays a black police officer in this film. Mm-hmm. When he's pulling somebody over, if it's a white guy who he thinks is going in the glove compartment, he's not reaching for his gun. But it, if it's a black man going for his glove compartment, he is going to reach for his gun. And that's just the stereotypical imprint that society or the police have been put on society. So that's just something that we need to open up dialogue and have more of a conversation about. And um, Emmanuel Acho's YouTube series, uh, Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man, does a really good job of that. So if you guys have not checked out that YouTube channel, be sure to check that out. And he has conversations with basically a whole police force, the majority of them being white. So I think that's very important. But this film is also very important to watch. So that's why it's on my list. Number five for me, The Hate You Give. Yeah, it's a brilliant film. And and it's beautifully shot. It's beautifully acted. And and the story is beyond relevant right now. It's it's just you need to watch this one if you haven't watched it. Yeah, yeah, my top five I tried to keep – extremely relevant too with all the things sadly that we are still dealing with in society today and my list goes from the 60s to to current day films from as far back as the 60s and we're still dealing with the shit today this is a problem guys I mean so my number five is American History X Mm. which if you haven't seen it it's Edward Norton and Edward Furlong and Edward Norton how scary good was he in this film people really fucking hated him after it because if you don't know the story he plays a neo-nazi who's got a younger brother that he's trying to indoctrinate into this life and and then realizes maybe not maybe you need to not you know kind of do the it is scary fucking accurate about what's going on in the country right now with these fucking nazi people motherfuckers who like hate everybody and unfortunately, I mean, there's been a lot of situations through the storming of the Capitol and like all the different things with these with these groups. Um, and it's terrifying. I mean, you know, that this type of a, a, a thing is still going on with the history. It, 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 what is it? History is, you know, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, we should like with all of the stuff that happened in Germany and World War Two and the Nazis and this type of the, to have to be going through it now. Is scary that we did not learn from it and that we still have to deal with people like this. It's fucking crazy. But this movie does a brilliant job of highlighting it and highlighting the fact that these people still exist in society and the danger that they present in society. And like I said, that Edward Norton. It's an intense movie. It's a scary, scary performance by Edward Norton. Um, So warning, before you watch it, it's pretty fucking intense and... uh. If you're going to have your children watch it with you, which I kind of recommend that you do, this is a movie that will terrify them but also prompt your conversation with them about this is happening. You need to be aware of this and be aware of the, your situation in, in society today. So yeah, Very intense. I watched that one before I was even like 10. I yeah. was like, oh my god. And I watched it by myself. Okay. Terrifying. I mean, Put your scary. mouth on the curb shit. Oh my god. Uh, dude, that scene, Oof. like, oh my god. Yeah. 
It's terrifying. It, it's horrible. That, yeah. That it's yeah. Uh, number four for me goes to the Black Klansman, the Spike Lee joint. I love this film because it is very much still socially revel- relevant, even though it was based in the nineteen late seventies, early eighties, something like that. Um, but I love how you know, and it's about police officers infiltrating the Ku Klux Klan and trying to learn their plots and learn like what they're going doing. Um, but I love how it also showed the, the parallels of being black in America and being Jewish in America, Mm -hmm. because it's kind of, it's not the same thing. Nothing is ever the same between all these situations, but it's similar. And it shows that there's a lot of hate against certain groups and against certain parties that is just unnecessary when you, all these people are good people. So, you know, it, it's just crazy, but it starts another conversation, and I think that's very important. I think Spike Lee does a very brilliant job of it, and I mean, if it didn't have so many other awards that year, but I really wish that one would have won Best Picture because oh. it definitely starts a conversation. Yeah, it also highlights a certain uh, figure named David Duke, who mm-hmm. I lived many, many years in Louisiana, and that's a scary motherfucker, and he's still around, guys. Still around. He is still around, so research on David Duke, watch that film. And then be aware. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Be aware. Uh, I'm I'm jumping. My number four is like you said. It's dealing with stuff that's scarily still going on and is still a problem. And we're targeting right socially relevant films. So it's not just black. It's not just Jews. It's not just. It's hate on everybody and everything. So my number four film is Pray Away. Mm. If you haven't heard about this one, this is more of a documentary, true story type. The figures in this are played by their actual selves. I shouldn't say played; it's documentary footage of. But if you don't, if you're not familiar with this, there was a movement several years back, Pray Away, which was this evangelical movement to abolish gay people by mm. praying it away. They were literally castrating these people and and like bringing them to these church camps and basically doing these horrible things to them in the name of God to somehow pray away the gay. Um because it it was gay is wrong and gay is a sin and you, and this is the only way to do it is to do these horrible things to you and pray it away from you and and bring you back to God. It's fucking terrifying. I mean that this was even going on in the name of God. Um it's it's horrible and unfortunately it was re- it's real. I mean, and it's still there, guys. I mean that the hate towards the LGBTQ community is unreal. And, and, and these, I mean, I just don't get it. This is a really terrifying film that you need to watch because I feel like secretly and not so secretly maybe, this is still going on. There are still people who heavily believe that being gay is a choice and you can just pray it away. That you can somehow be re-brainwashed or re-programmed you know, to not be gay. And that's terrifying. I, I, I just... I don't know. This is a scary film. Pray away, and and you should definitely watch it and and just think about what is going on in the name of. That's yeah. all I'm saying. In today's society. In and today's I, society, yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. And I mean, another one, my number three, is also one that is keep happening in today's society. Just Mercy, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx about, you know, sending basically a black man who wasn't even near the scene of the crime to jail for life because they thought and they wanted to basically convict somebody to say that they did it 
and put him behind bars, and it's easier to do when he's a black man. But it's just such a crazy situation because if you think about it, there's so many people, so many people of color that are being put behind bars for crimes that they did not even commit. If they say that... You know, a convenience store gets robbed and a lady gets killed. Like in this movie, if they say they saw your truck there at a certain time that wasn't even near that the time of the robbery or of the murder, that they're going to convict you and they're going to put you in prison for the rest of your life, take you away from family, take you away from friends, take you away from children that you might not have even met yet. I mean, I think in this situation, it might not have been this movie, but um, when your wife is pregnant and you have she has the baby while you're inside and you never meet that child because of a situation like this. But it's all about because the media, man, the media can be a rough, rough thing. And they tell you that you have to catch who did this. So they, the police departments and the justice system, they try to prosecute it and put everything, move everything through very quickly just to get everything to simmer down when even it's not the right person that did this, even if it's an innocent man. And this is still happening today. So that's why number three for me is Just Mercy. It was a beautiful film, something that everybody needs to watch. And it's very important because this shit is still happening in today's society. And it should have fucking been nominated for an Oscar. It should have. Michael B. Jordan should have been nominated for a fucking Oscar yep. for this film. And how it was ignored, we have no fucking idea. Yep. Um, maybe too controversial for the Academy. I don't know. Uh, which is fucking stupid. But um, yeah, and guys, like really – I mean, the the rate of incarceration, the numbers of the rate of incarceration for people of color is innocent people incarcerated. The rate of is scary. Yeah, it's just scary. Which is why movies like this and stories like this need to be told. Like ABC's uh, Fifty Cent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's we need more stories like this for life. For life. Yeah, same thing. A man wrongfully convicted and had to, you know, prove himself innocent to get out of prison, and and like, it's scary. It's scary and and it's terrifying, and we need to do stuff about it. So we need to keep getting this message out there. Um, okay, my number three. I'm continuing with uh, where I was with number four, but it goes beyond because it goes beyond a step of just the LGBTQ community to the T, the transgender. It seems like the last couple of years, these people have been under attack so much. Uh, it's scary how much they have been under. I'm talking about transgender individuals who, by the way, are just people. Yeah. They're just people, guys. And yet they are being horribly attacked and horribly targeted by so many groups in this country. It's terrifying. So my number uh, three is the Danish girl. You might remember this one. Eddie Redmayne won the, the Academy Award for this one. This is loosely based on real-life people, uh, Danish artists Lily Ebb and uh, Gerda Wegner, who were a man and a woman who were married and very much in love, but where one was a woman and, and, and wanted to desperately be who she was. And she's the very first person to ever go through the full you know, operation to become a woman, have the genitals removed, have the kind of thing. And back then, guys, I mean, this was not safe. This was not a procedure that was okay. This was a life 
threatening, potentially going to die procedure, but was so adamant about who she was and wanting to be who she was. And in this time, not accepted, obviously. Unfortunately, today, not accepted very much. And so um, this movie brilliantly and very beautifully tells the tale of this journey. And unfortunately, she did die, um, but died the way she wanted to die and who, as who she was. And so I just bring this movie up, The Danish Girl, because I do feel like society is so targeting transgender individuals right now. We've fucking in Texas right now. There's a fucking law that the governor is trying to do that. You have to report transgender kids. And if you don't report them, you can be criminally charged. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, like I just, it's mind boggling to me that this is even something that's passing its way through the house and senate in the state of texas it's fucking mind-boggling to me um so the danish girl watch it educate yourselves learn what it is to be transgender okay because i think a lot of people don't even fucking realize what it means yeah uh before they just direct the hate um watch this film it's a beautiful film it's a beautiful story and i think it will really go a long way into educate people about what transgender means and 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 the lives of these uh, these individuals uh, it's just it's an important story it is man it is uh number two for me is the one comedy i was talking about a league of their own when women can play baseball yes. i mean basically man like bit, oh my goodness it's so crazy especially when it comes to women being equal to basically everyone being equal to White men. Everybody is equal. It's fucking crazy how people still think this way. But, I mean, with this first league of their own, with the first women joining the baseball league and becoming, you know, starting their own league, basically, and putting their imprint on the sport itself, I think that is very important. And, of course, there's so many great people attached to this one. I mean, it's such a – it's a beautiful film and it's hilarious. I mean, Madonna before she wasn't Madonna anymore. I'm just saying I don't know what's going on there. But, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful film. That's one that you can watch with your family because everybody will just enjoy, laugh, but also talk about the serious parts of it. So that is why it is on my list. A League of Their Own, a.k.a. thanks, Tom Hanks. Yeah, there's no crying in baseball. There's, there's no, no crying in baseball. Oh, my God. One of the best lines ever. Thanks. Um. By the way, we could use a league of their own right now with the fucking stri- strike going on and then the, yeah. the, the delay of the opening game and, and, and the season starting. Bring on the women. Let's play some fucking baseball. That's Let's what I'm saying. I bet, I bet that would be fine. My number two goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Logan and a bunch of his stuff on his list. And I think um, it, it's, it's scary how good good this movie is and how well it tells the story of a man being in the wrong place at the wrong time and dying because of it it's fucking crazy it's also the introduction of to the world of mr michael b jordan and ryan coogler i'm talking about fruitvale station which is the unfortunate story of a man who is in the wrong place at the wrong time and ends up getting killed by police because they think he's a bad guy. They think he's a, he, he's black. He must be bad. He must be starting trouble. He must be, and is, is shot down. Um, it's terrifying that this type of stuff happens. Yeah. It, it's, it, it makes no sense 
the the on edge of just because it and be honest about it how many times do you see some white people walking down the street and there are some black people walking down the street and they're on the same side and the white people will go to the other side of the street it happens far more often than people want to admit because for some reason they must think these are bad people that are going to hurt me that's fucking ridiculous and and the idea that you can be just because you happen to be in a place near where a crime happened that you are presumed the guilty person and end up, in this case, dying because of it, that's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. And, I mean, where are we at in society still where where that can happen? Like, it just, the, the presumption of guilt right away, just because you happen to be somewhere close to something. Yep. I, it's terrifying to I, me. I fully, fully, fully blame Birth of a Nation. No, fucking I, birth of a nation I that mean, that film should be destroyed from basically any any given sunday it should just never yeah. exist they should burn every single copy of that bitch literally yeah. that film's fault <sighs> all right number one for me goes to sleepers you guys know i've talked about this one i love this film it's one of my best our favorite films of all time but it's about basically people in power being able to molest and abuse people who are feel like they're not in power or younger than them or feel like that you know they're trying to advance their careers like a Harvey Weinstein situation this film is it's <laughs> caught with it's, guess, some whoppers it's 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 difficult but it's also a beautiful thing because you justice can be served if you go about it the right way and if you do all the proper things justice can be served but we still do live in the day and age where money talks and sometimes it can't but you know you you have to have faith you have to have faith that what's right is right what's wrong is wrong so you have to be able to overcome these things and be able to i don't want to say move on with your life but be able to Put it to bed, I guess, because you want to be able to take full advantage of your life. And this is something that I feel like also starts a conversation. That's what the whole top five is about this week, starting a conversation through these entertainment mediums. And that's why we love movies. They tell great stories that start a conversation, that teach you things, that just help you continue moving forward, trying to be a better person than you were yesterday. So that's why number one for me is Sleepers. Again, such a beautiful film. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just, yeah, there are a lot of situations like that where it's sad that it still goes on and people can't move past it and, and uh, holding a lot of people back, unfortunately. Um, my number one is going all the way back to the 60s. It, it's it's a literary and film classic. I'm, of course, talking about To Kill a Mockingbird, where uh, Gregory Peck's character, Atticus Fitch, uh, defends a black man accused of raping uh, and killing a, a, a woman. Um, here's the scary thing about this is, like, he didn't do it. He was a trusted individual within the family of the And... Somebody else was doing something shady, got caught, and laid the blame on this guy. And I feel like that happens far more often than than we know where it's somebody else who's doing something bad who gets caught and has to shift the blame. And it seems like, just like in this movie, that blame is shifted onto somebody that everybody will just assume that must be true. Yep. Well, that's a black guy, so that has to be true. Couldn't possibly be this other person doing all that shit. It had to be that guy. And... 
we know that that happens. We know that that happens. And um, the fact that, I mean, this movie brilliantly tells that tale. And when you stand up for people, when you stand up and defend people who you know are innocent, um, what it does to you, because it affects your life, it affects your family, it affects because people then target you. Um, and, and that the movie deals heavily with that. And, you know, it's hard sometimes being a good person in society and doing the right thing in society because you do have to burden and take on that, that hate to, to defend and, or, or be a good person and recognize other good people. And, and that in itself is a problem with, you know, the the idea that being a good person is, is a, a problem, a burden, if you will. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, we wonder why so many people turn to bad things or turn to problems. It, it's because being a good person is is so often looked at as a bad thing. And I mean, I don't I don't know, man. It's these conversations should happen and, and should happen a lot. And uh we try. You know, number one on our list should have been our own movie that you guys will be able to see very soon, uh, Deadlines, which deals heavily with this situation that two individuals targeted by hate and and what it does to their lives and what the the tragedy that ends up being because of the hate. Um, And, and, you know, it's it's crazy. It is. It It, is. It still happens in today's society and... Just gotta gotta have a conversation about it. Gotta make the situations like known. Gotta make everybody aware. It's just one of those things where we we just gotta keep evolving. We gotta keep evolving, pushing love and destroying the hate. That's that's what we gotta do. And keep talking. Yep. Don't be scared to have that conversation. Talk. Yeah. It's it's crucial. It it's is. it's necessary. It is. I don't know. Well, liven it up a little yeah! bit. I mean, sorry about that. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Uh, now it's time for the box office recap. Uh, it was a good week. Good week last week. Uh, number one is still Uncharted with $23 million. Number two, uh, Dog with $10 million. Number three was Spider-Man No Way Home with five point eight. Number four was Death on the Nile with four point eight, And number five was Jackass Forever with $3 million. Mm. Uh, new movies that are coming out this week. Obviously, The Batman. Yes. Go see it. Beautiful film. Loved it. Uh, after Yang, A Day to Die, Huda Salon, and Night Ride, whatever those Nobody are. will see any of those other four. It's, true. it's all the Batman. <laughs> uh, movies you can still go see, Spider-Man No Way Home, Sing 2, Mary Moo, Studio 666, and Scream. Yes. Now, IMDb Pro's top trending segment. Uh, movie this week is The Kingsman, which is surprising because it's been out of theaters for a while, but it is now on HBO Max, maybe seeing a nice little resurgence. Yep. Uh, and the same as last week, the top trending show is Inventing Anna, and the top trending star is Julia Garner. So, I mean, they're rocking and rolling with that one. That makes sense. Uh, thank you guys so much for getting crazy with us on episode 187. we yes. got to thank our guest one more time, Eden Mary Show, for coming on the show and getting a little crazy with us. Yes. Be sure to follow him on Instagram. And you guys know you can follow us personally and the company on social media the company is at crazy ant media the podcast is at it calf podcast and myself i'm at jlo fantastic and i'm at crazy ant guy 1970 yes sir and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast we're on anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, radio podbean stitcher and so much That's more. A lot. <laughs> and you guys know if you're watching this video on youtube be sure to hit that like button on the video subscribe to the channel and ring 
ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications coming out of Crazy Ant Media. We really yes. appreciate it. And be sure to visit our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got basically anything and everything you need. We got full-on pajama sets, guys. I mean, seriously. Be sure to head over there. We got a new merch item out right now, merch design. Ask me about my film. It's geared towards all you filmmakers out there. Because yes. we want you to talk about your passion projects. That's what it's all about. But man, oh man, a very good show. Very informative. There's a lot of good things coming out. I'm very curious about the new Walker series that comes out uh, because everything seems to be building a universe even when it comes to television side of things so that's very interesting and going back to the old west and going back to the old thank west. you taylor sheridan yeah, thank you yeah <laughs> full credit to them oh yeah uh top five obviously that's something that we always need to talk about and these are good 10 movies to start with guys so be sure to check those out and i mean there's just so much good superhero news i'm super excited to see what the batman does i don't know if it's gonna break no way home's opening weekend but we'll see um but yeah i'm i'm just it's a great time to be an entertainment buff oh absolutely absolutely i'm gonna go with a no just because it's three hours long i don't think it can it, it can do it because it won't have as many showings yeah so um but it is i mean one thing is certain between the last six weeks eight weeks and then this weekend obviously with the batman people will go see superhero movies facts they dominate the box office fact what scorsese all you guys that don't like them the fact same. is fact. Um, I, and I'm super pumped, obviously, about all the fucking Netflix Marvel shows finally going home to Disney. It's going to be amazing for so many people that weren't able to see them to finally see them. So I'm pumped about that. And I love our interview uh, with Eden and how it got pretty uh, intense and, and his inspirational story of working with troubled children who – in many cases, we're troubled because of the things we talked about and how it tied into our top five yep. and, and irrelevant social topics that are happening and, and how you can turn the bad into something good like Eden did. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that part of the show and uh, you know the top five in our interview and just so much good stuff. These are my favorite type shows where we can have a lot of fun and talk about a lot of great stuff that's happening like the Batman and Spider-Man and all these kind of things, but also – get serious and talk about things that need to be talked about because that's what we do and we have a platform to do that in an entertaining way and these are my favorite type shows man exactly it's so freaking fun it's so fun and informative and we love it and you know who else is fun and informative i don't know yet but we will the one the only oprah, oprah!